guess welcome to two Ryan crew. I'm I'm Ryan Fused. And I'm Ryan Barnett, but what's with that heavy sigh and the groan? <sighs> Man, you know, it's it's been a long week. Yeah? Maybe you need a drink. I think I need a drink. I really need a drink. What do I do, man? Well, why don't you head down to, to the bar and get a drink? Which bar? Nothing around here is nearly futuristic enough for my tastes. Oh, uh, I think you need to go to V-A-1-1-A-H-A-L-L-A. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I don't fucking know. I think it means Valhalla. Oh, Valhalla. The cyberpunk bartending simulating bartending visual novel. simulator, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the very least, it'll make you feel better about your own problems. <laughs> so yes, this week we are, of course, talking about the uh, game that claims itself to be cyberpunk bartending action. <laughs> that description. Which, of course, is a reference to Metal Gear tactical espionage action. Of course. And actually, you know what? I do just want to mention real quick, a lot of Metal Gear is referenced in this game. Well, I believe it. I mean, it's good setting for it. Right. I know eventually you do read a news article about a game called Cyborg in Heels, <laughs> starring, and I quote, Quentin Hayter. <laughs> oh. just, just a quick reference I wanted to mention before we get into the actual meat of this oh, that's episode. That's a good one. But, uh... <laughs> so, yeah. I guess uh, pour yourself a nice drink, uh, sit back, and enjoy another episode of Two Ryan Crew. Woo! Woo! This week we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, VA-11 Hall-A, or Valhalla. (laughs) Do you know how long it took me to figure that out when I was looking for this game online? <laughs> and I typed in Valhalla, and I could not find it. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> like, I had to Google Valhalla game, and eventually it came up after the game from, you know, 1985 popped up first. <laughs> right, and we are not talking about the game from 1985. We are talking about the game that was released uh, this year, in 2016, which is the, uh, I guess... Bartending Simulator Visual Novel, That's... developed by uh, Sukaban Games, a company based in, well, Venezuela. So, yeah, that's unusual to have a game company based out of some place in uh, South America. And actually, even more unusual was the reason that this game had been delayed for so long. Because it was originally part of a, uh, I guess, cyberpunk game jam in 2014. It got pushed back for two years? Because they could only work on this game when they had electricity. Oh, right, because of the tense political situation going on there? There was severe political unrest, which heavily affected game development. Ah. So yeah, due to just the incredibly bad situation over there, the game was heavily delayed. And this is one that I personally was watching closely ever since its announcement. Just me being me. See, I had no idea it even existed until you <laughs> mentioned it to me. <laughs> Shows so, how informed I am. And I mean, it didn't get too much, like, widespread attention, but just me personally having an obsession with uh, cyberpunk adventure games like Snatcher, Police Knots. So, of course, it would be on your radar. This naturally came, came onto my radar, right. And so I followed it very closely. I played the prologue when it came out uh, last year, 2015. And I closely followed development, and then finally when it came out, I think I took a day off of work to play it, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> 
You have a habit of doing that, don't you? I do. I got vacation time at work. I'm going to use it on video games. So, uh, was it better using that day off for this game than it was for when you took off time for Metal Gear Solid Five? Oh, God. Quick tangent. <laughs> I took a week off of work from Metal Gear Solid Five. I pre-ordered the game. I got it day one. Worst week of my life. Well, <laughs> you got paid to play Metal Gear Solid Five. That That's not good. It's better than being paid to actually work. No, maybe. I would have rather been at work. Oh. Work doesn't disappoint me nearly as much as MGS5 did. And there's our scathing review of Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, that's not a game we're going to talk about anytime soon. Yeah. Fuck. All right, so anyway, uh, you know, they eventually, they worked on it. They worked on it as much as they could. It eventually became a full game. And the full game itself is, in my opinion, amazing. See... I, from what I've seen of it, it's very interesting, but I think one thing to note that might turn a lot of people off to it is if the, it's essentially a visual novel, as you said. It isn't. It's not so much a right, game as it is it's an interactive tricky, story. It's tricky to call this one a game. Uh, well, we, we saw the same kind of thing with Downfall, just not nearly to this extent, because Downfall is... It's a game, but it's more about the story, and there's not a lot of actual... Actually... Gameplay to be. I'm done gonna there. say that your choices can be varied as much as Downfall. Yeah, but I'm comparing it to Downfall in the sense that they are very similar. In they that are way. very similar, right? And also, much like Downfall, there are different endings you can get, but overall, the basic story is the same. Always. So fun. yeah, I'll say this has as much gameplay as Downfall. All right then. That's not a. That's not a demerit. That's not a negative mark. No, no. But it's often when I hear things mentioned like that particular phrase, visual novel. Mostly I associate it with, well, anime stories. Which, yes, this is one of those. Well, the artwork is very, very anime-like. It was heavily inspired by, like, late 80s, early 90s anime. It is pretty, yes. though. It is nice oh, to look at. it's a gorgeous game. The visuals are honestly great to look at. Right, so the soundtrack was done by uh, Gerode? 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 I, I don't know. I'm We're gonna unfamiliar with up. his work so, outside of this. <laughs> And I think this might have been the only game he's worked on, but I will say, I have both his soundtrack from the prologue and his soundtrack from the full game. And I listen to them frequently. So what I noticed from the small, small amount of it I've gone through is that the music is very good, but is it always fitting to every scene in the game? Well, I, I can't the, say since I haven't finished the game. Here's the thing. You pick the soundtrack. Really? At the beginning of each day that you're working at the bar, you get to go to the jukebox and select what gets played. Oh, okay. So the soundtrack is it's kind a of a... mechanic. It's a very generic kind of cyberpunk synthwave soundtrack, but it fits the setting incredibly well. I like that. Bartending simulator, you pick the music on the jukebox. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a nice touch. But anyway, we could ramble about this forever, but let's go ahead and break it up into the four categories that we always do. We're going to talk about graphics... Sound, gameplay, and story. Right. So, here we go. Let's start with graphics. As I said, it's very anime-like. It, it is a Eastern-influenced. It is very will. much. Yes, if you were to think of any, uh, again, mid-90s cyberpunk visual novel like Snatcher or Police Knots, you know what to expect here. Can you think of any mid-90s? Cyberpunk thing besides Snatcher or Police Knots that looks like this? Not off the top of my head. Oh, okay. <laughs> One touch that I did find very nice, though, was in the options. You have the setting to turn on simulated scan lines. 
to make it look like it's on a CRT TV. I noticed that's becoming an option in a lot more things these days with emulators and, yeah. and games, yeah. and that's that's cool. And obviously, nostalgia for it. Yeah, I want to get your opinion just real quick. What do you think of that? As I was just about to say, we upgraded our TV technology for a reason. <laughs> I never liked the scan lines as a child, and I don't like them now. Okay. I like my clear, crisp image. <laughs> We're going to strongly differ on this opinion, then. I feel that anything from that era, or anything that pretends to be from that era, heavily benefits from scan lines. I don't know. I mean, in They were designed cases, for those TVs. Yeah. In some cases, we go back to original 80s hardware, stuff like that. Yeah, of course, it'll look a bit better on a TV that it was designed for. But as far as modern games, aping the, the technique for it, I don't think it matters that much to me. It's cool, but I prefer it as is. Okay, and that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, me personally, I played the game with scan lines on, and I fully enjoyed it. It was a nice touch to the whole, I guess, just kind of setting they were trying to create. I could see how it could benefit from that. But yeah, the graphics, it's... Again, being a visual novel, the entire time you're just looking at portraits of characters. As they have their, you know, generic lip movements, occasional motions. So it is animated, it's not like you're just looking at a static picture right, all the time. Right, right. But I mean, it's lightly animated. <laughs> lightly animated? Yeah, because at the end of the day, this is a basic visual novel. Well, this is a bit more going for it in terms of gameplay than right. most visual and novels we'll, do. We'll cover that when we get yeah. to gameplay, but at the end of the day, you know, graphics are what you would expect from an adventure game, from a visual novel. You see the portraits of the characters, the portraits speak. Occasionally you'll get, like, close-ups on, rel like, relevant items to the story, or you might Phoenix get these... Wright-style animation. Right. If, you know, if you're familiar with Phoenix Wright, you know what to expect from this game. And occasionally you'll get these really nice panning shots of the city and things like that, but... Those scenes are few and far between. Hmm. And I mean, honestly, that covers it for graphics. There's not a whole not lot to, to talk say, about. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to uh, sound. So we mentioned the, uh, the soundtrack, and uh... the soundtrack is incredibly good. Yes, even if you watch the trailer, you get a you get a feel for what the soundtrack is. You know yeah. what to expect. It's your synth-heavy, just kind of late '80s, early '90s electronic music. But it fits, it works. It fits it incredibly well. Uh, aside from that, you got your sound effects as you're mixing drinks or... Uh, Basic stuff. I mean, yeah. the sound of mixing drinks, there's not a whole <laughs> lot of ways to fuck that up unless you're like running it through <laughs> an old Commodore or something. Which might have benefited this game, honestly, given the uh, atmosphere they're going for. But yeah, it's there's not a lot to say about sound. The soundtrack is incredibly good and the sounds do the job. I notice that as we review these games, there's always one category where there's never much to say on it. Like, <laughs> no game we've played yet has achieved like what I would call a perfect score in every category. No, they're always lacking no. somewhere. And that's not again. That's not a demerit against the game. No, it's no not. game will be perfect. Yeah, it's just how do you improve mixing sounds like that? The sound of mixing right. drinks. It's just right. Like what sound effects could they it. add? Although there was one scene that I'll talk about in story later on, but uh. There's one scene where gunshots were used in the background, and it was actually very effective for the way that they tell the story. Yeah. Kind of a teaser for when I talk about the story itself. Now, uh, moving on to gameplay. Here's where things get interesting. It is a visual novel, yes. The story is predetermined before you play it, of course. However, the way that you decide characters' opinions of you has nothing to do with dialogue choices. You don't have any of those. 
Instead, you the drink you make them. So I think this is an interesting mechanic. <laughs> it's a great mechanic. I've never seen this before. The drink you make them will affect how they react. Honestly, I've never seen it before either. This is definitely a new way to go about this without, without any dialogue choices at all. Yeah, and it's... I noticed this immediately in my second playthrough because what I did was I, I played the first game where I got them exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd ask for such and such a cocktail. I'd make it exactly as they ordered it. You know, I got the pretty good ending as a result. Yeah, but you have to read the people to get the best ending. You need to be able to see what they really exactly. want. Even if they're not saying it exactly. out loud. So the second playthrough, I, as a joke, made everybody these really uh, sugary, sweet, highly alcoholic beverages. <laughs> and there's one character who comes in and he's You gave like, them bottomless mimosas. Basically, yes. <laughs> and there's one character who's a total asshole throughout the whole game. But I made him, well, let's go ahead and, for the sake of brevity, say bottomless mimosas. <laughs> and eventually he opens up and he was like, you know, my wife used to really enjoy sugary sweet drinks like this. She was killed by this uh, police organization that has taken over the city. And then he goes into great detail about it. And so you open them up with all your Right, you your get further background into this game setting that you wouldn't have gotten if you would just, well, followed orders. That's neat. You, you got to read people deep. to get the deeper story, and that's fascinating to me. Very well done in that aspect. And there's it's, a lot of hidden content, man. Well, I imagine so with the way a gameplay set up. And there could be endless secrets, essentially, with your drink combinations. And, of course, there's different endings depending on whether or not you uh, make enough money to even, like, keep your home. <laughs> and wow. one, one ending, you do get evicted. Too close to home. Too much like real-life bartending. And actually, I think that can segue perfectly into the next section of story, because here's what got me into the game. Getting evicted from your home? Well, not necessarily that, but it's the fact that you can get evicted, because here's the thing. Most cyberpunk video games, as you know from experience, we have like Deus Ex, Snatcher, Police Knots. In those games, you're a part of the major event that's happening. Yeah. You are responsible for bringing down the oppressive government regime or, you know... Yeah, you're a main character doing something cool because people want to see you do something cool. Right. You are playing a major part in the political scene that's happening. In Valhalla, you are just a, a victim of what's happening. <laughs> kind of a, a side story character, in a way. And one of the cool things that sound like sort of gunshots is at one point there's a massive uprising, and you never see it. No, <laughs> you just stay in the bar? Yeah, you're in the bar and you hear gunshots outside. You know, the whole thing is just like, we gotta stay here for the night, we can't go outside. You never see it happen. But then the next day, in the bar, everybody's talking about it. You watch that's this, pretty cool. You watch this whole thing happen from the viewpoint of a civilian, basically. It's definitely an interesting take on it. You don't, you're right, you're always part of what's going on, the main action, the, the big event. Right, every, most video games do that. I've never... Oh, of course, it's like every movie does that right. for the same reason, because it right. entertains people. It's, it's more entertaining. But it was really cool to kind of flip that around. But see, then it's interesting that once in a while you can have what, like I said, like a side story. What would be a side story character in one of those games? You play it exactly it for them, right? And one thing that I thought was really, uh, really fascinating was they introduced this whole like you know rebellion versus government kind of situation. And you know, as we, our disclaimer here, we spoil everything we talk about always. That never gets resolved. Well, in Valhalla, that never gets resolved. You have no idea what happens with that story. Because the entire focus of the game is basically the main character and her own personal conflicts with people she used to know. 
know, people from her past, that sort of thing. And it's more about that character's personal development than it is about the uprising. Yeah, that's just kind that of that you're a victim of. For it. Exactly. So, um... And I mean, that makes it incredibly relatable. Because, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get horribly political here, but in 2016 we have a very tense political atmosphere right now. Yes. But it's not the centerpiece of our lives. No, it's just... We have our own stories that we're going through. Plays out in the background. Exactly. And Valhalla accomplishes that same thing perfectly. It's very realistic in that way, actually. Yeah, and ways that they do the storytelling really interest me, and they kind of reflect life right now. I know uh, the main character will browse the equivalent of 4chan. Oh, <laughs> and you'll read like their opinions on politics, their opinions on like video game consoles coming out, and it's it's accurate, just like real life. <laughs> you feel like you're reading 4chan. They're all douchebags. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, there's like there's news like media platforms, and you meet the people behind them, and they're all very biased. Oh, of course. And it's just it's a very realistic just chunk of this universe that they created. It is a bartending simulator. And it simulates it quite well. And one thing, I, one thing that I think the story does that, uh... This is weird territory for me. Mm-hmm. Because I... I hate it when a video game will introduce, like, a token character for the sake of having a token character. Yeah. Like, you know, there'll be a character who is, let's say, gay. And the entire time they'll be like, but I'm so gay. Look how gay I am. Oh, just to show I have how... no defining features. I'm just gay. To show that it's a, like a progressive inclusion. Exactly, right. It's Whereas diversity. the sub character with merit, who also happens to be one of these right. things, gay or whatever, they just throw it in there because it's that's the easy route. Right. You don't actually have to build an interesting character. You can just stick this label on them instead and, it and gets, flash that around. And it gets, well, I'm going to say maybe a term that's going to lose some listeners. It gets them Tumblr cred. Tumblr cred, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. So before Valhalla, there was a cyberpunk adventure game called... Uh, Fuck. Read-only memories, I think it was. Yes, yes, you were right. Yeah, and I was pumped for this game when I saw trailers and when I saw, you know, announcements. I played this game. I know what you're getting at. It suffers the same problem you just described. Because I think maybe I even remember it better than you do because I remember (laughs) the game title and I've never played it. But you bitched quite a long time about them having a character just like that. There are characters just like that. Very few people in this game are actually fleshed out. You just have, oh, this is the transgender character. That's all they are. This is the gay character. That's all they are. He was a good man. What a shame. What a shame. <laughs> but it, and that game really suffered from it. I imagine it I did. Couldn't Those are bland, it. uninteresting characters. Yeah, the game was very bland and uninteresting as a result. Valhalla took the same concept and they made it interesting. The main character is bisexual. She never plain out announces it. You just discover through natural progression of the story, oh, she's been with both genders. Now, see, there you go. Now you've built up a character well and slowly introduced facets of her personality. Exactly. Yeah. And you've one made character- an interesting character instead of just, as I said, sticking a big like label on him, big flashing right, saying exactly. this is what I am. Right, and that, that makes such a better story and such better characters when they happen to be this thing. But you can also flesh out a full three-dimensional story with them. So that's, that's got to be hard to do. It is definitely requires more work. So Oh, seriously, kudos to Sukaban Games for doing that. That's the right way to do it. And there's one character that really stood out to me. There's a, uh, there's a robotic prostitute in this game. And generally when you see a prostitute in a video game, they're very uh, 
damaged, broken down characters. They hate their jobs. They don't want to be doing what they're doing. <laughs> this character loves her job to an honestly alarming extent. Oh. Oh. I know there was one scene that stood out to me because I couldn't stop laughing in which she came in and she was just like, you'll never believe what I did at work today. There was a guy who asked if I could fit a light bulb up his ass. Oh, dear God. We did it. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. I love, I loved that. Good Lord. That does a lot about your sex life. <laughs> but it was just, it was a refreshing take from the normal, like, damaged, bitter prostitute. Yeah, it's kind right. of surreal. That's, yeah. that's good. Makes it more enjoyable. More interesting to and play. Of, and of course, you know, being a good visual novel, all the characters have very distinct personalities that when they combine, makes for really good dialogue, really good back and forth. Well, isn't that really the core of it? The dialogue and the writing has to be yeah. excellent in a game like this, otherwise it falls flat on right. its face. And in my opinion, the writing was spectacular. I really enjoyed it, and honestly, by the end of it, it was a little bit of a tearjerker. Well, see, now that's a rare one for games we play. Yeah, I was actually... A little bit emotional by the end of it. That was a really solid story, and they told it very well. Again, putting it up there with Downfall. Yeah, Downfall had the same effect on me, honestly. Wow. You get so invested in these characters, and, you know, to an extent, you can relate to them, even in Downfall, as fucked up as that was. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they're still relatable concepts. I guess that's what really elicits that response, was the fact that it's very relatable. Exactly. Once you can latch on to something that the main character has been through, you really become attached. And Valhalla's very good about that. Hmm. I definitely want to spend more time with it now and go through and get some of the different endings. And There's a lot of really good content there. You just, gotta, you just gotta look past the fact that, yes, it's a visual novel. Yes, a lot of the story is predetermined. See, it doesn't put me off personally at the start. I don't mind that so much. I mean, I've played through other, well, a lot more Japanese-styled visual novels. Oh, of course. Yeah, of that course. are way less gameplay than and this. And I'm gonna... I'm gonna be... A little bit out of the loop here, but there's a game that you and Nick are playing, an adventure series. Oh, Danganronpa. Thank you. Okay, that was it. Yeah, we were playing that. That is a visual novel, yeah? Yes, aside from the actual anime, it is a visual novel. Okay. And it's, I think they're good games. I I really enjoy the story of that. It was a suggestion from him, because normally I don't pick up on that sort of thing on my own, but I'm (laughs) glad he talked me into it, because they're... Were fun games, and honestly, who knows? Maybe we can do a future episode about them. Yeah, they're um, it's the same deal. There's a good story to be had, good interaction. We'll talk about it some other time, but it's just it's like that in that yeah. vein. And so, I mean, basically to sum it up, it's a very they have it's a game that gets the setting just right. They create this very immersive world that you're really into, that just really draws you in. The gameplay is basic enough to where, you know, like you can just kind of sit back and enjoy the story rather than stressing over any decisions. And just, you know, at the end of the day, it's a well-told story. They do a really good job of presenting it. The dialogue is fantastic. The characters are great. I loved this game. I can tell. <laughs> the um, It has all the right pieces to be more than just a visual novel, I suppose. And yeah, that... that really does sum it up. If you're even remotely interested in visual novels or cyberpunk video games or, hell, bartending. Bartending, yeah. <laughs> Check this game out. I will say it's uh, currently only for, I think, Windows and Linux. But eventually, it's going to get, actually in the near future, it's going to get ports for the PlayStation Vita and iOS devices. 
I think you're right. That's what I read, at least. I know. Uh, I will be replaying it as soon as it hits iOS. Because that experience on, like, an iPad is going to be amazing. Be interesting, yeah. That's one game that actually might benefit from being on something with a good touchscreen. Yeah, touchscreen's really yeah. going to help it, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, once again, a game that, at least I personally, highly recommend. <laughs> And once again, we're at the end of the episode. And if you've made it this far, hey, thank you, you know, once again for listening to another episode of Two Ryan Crew. You know, once again, my name is Ryan Fust. And I'm Ryan Barnett. And, uh, hey, you know what? We're coming up to the end of October here, my personal favorite time of the year. I, Mine I too. love Halloween. I love early fall. Halloween is one of the best holidays. I agree completely. And we, we've talked about this before, you know, as a kid... You walk around, you dress up as like a pirate or a mummy or whatever. You get shit tons of candy. And then as an adult, like as an adult male, as an adult straight male, I guess I should say, it's a bunch of chicks in skimpy outfits. Yeah, good either way. Like I'm with this holiday for probably the rest of my life. <laughs> yep, me too. And so that takes us into some some very obvious territory then. Oh, of it's course. It's time for horror games. So what we're going to do is we have three horror games that we love and really want to talk about and we're going to do a two-part episode a because we enjoy these games and b because we don't want to do this on the weekend of halloween <laughs> that too we'll be straight up about that we're just going to record a two-parter and just upload part two while we're out well partying yeah so we will be speaking about three horror games we're going to talk about uh the italian indie horror game i'm scared.exe the Japanese indie horror game of Irizu Syndrome, and I guess the American? I think it's American. I'm not sure. We'll have to look up on that. Yeah. What well, we're assuming is the American indie game of uh, Spooky's House of Jump Scares. <laughs> All three very good choices to uh, start your Halloween with. You're looking for a way to scare yourself shitless. And all three games will do that incredibly well. <laughs> so, hey, if you want to, I guess, do some early research, hey, play those games. And, uh, I guess that's gonna do it for us. So, hey, if you have any suggestions for games we should play, questions, comments, pictures of Dick Cheney. Wait, pictures of Dick... Oh! <laughs> I get it. You can, uh, You can email us at, uh, 2 ryancrew at gmail.com. That's the number 2, ryancrew at gmail.com. And also, we do have a Twitter. You can, uh, I guess, tweet, twat... Twit? Twattered? Twittered? You can twatter at us? You can twatter at us. You can twatter at us. You can twatter at us. That's uh, at 2 Ryan Crew Cast. The number 2 Ryan Crew Cast. And uh, hey, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.